I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, we are delighted to have you along with us here. I got a little tuna sandwich ready to go, so I'm feeling good. Uh, we are um, busy on this Friday, as always. As you'd imagine, a ton of football today. We've done a bunch on the baseball, little basketball conversation here, and a whole lot more. Happier with us. If you want to reach me, I'll remind you I am on Twitter and Instagram and threads, all of them at ESPN Greeny. That's Greeny with a Y, ESPN Greeny. I want to pick up on a conversation we just had. It's a really good one, and I credit hashtag Cam, the youngest and maybe smartest of the hashtag crew, who said, Greeny, I feel like every play, not every drive, not every quarter, not every half, not every game, but every play that Zach Wilson plays is a referendum on his career. And I have to confess, I guess that's kind of true. And we were just going through, when you get into that grinder, whatever that is, whenever you get in the the middle of that, like, eye of the hurricane that is that the sports blender, I think that we do start to be that way. Certainly every drive. I watch the Bears that way now. When I watch the Bears, every drive is a referendum on, yep, Justin Fields is their future, or nope, no, he's not. The football, and I'm sorry, that should, that should not be on. That's my uh, ringtone. The, the football, uh, excuse me, the Broncos last night, every drive is a referendum. Ah, uh, Russell Wilson's washed, he's done, he and Sean Payton, they don't work, it's over, goodbye. That's not a good way, obviously, to analyze a football player, a football team, an athlete of any kind, or candidly anything. It is a tiny little sample size. And so I've been trying to think about why I do it. And here's what I can come up with. It only happens when what I'm seeing feels like it jibes with what I thought in the first place. I think what happens is every time you see something and it seems to confirm something you believe, your inclination is to say, yup, told you. See? He can't play. Look at that play. Running around with a chicken with his head cut off, throwing a terrible pass that's intercepted. See, he stinks. It's over. Get rid of him. Bench him. Trade him. Throw him out of the league. Whatever. And obviously, that's a terrible way. I would never do that with someone that I feel the other way. So who's someone I defend? Who's someone a lot of people don't think is good and I think is good? Dak. Dak Prescott. Great example. I watch Dak Prescott, and I am he's the last person I blame for anything going on. Why? I don't know. I don't know when I got in my head. I think it was his rookie year when he came in for Romo, and you're like, wait a minute, this guy's great. How did this happen? Everything that has happened, and that, parenthetically, was the apex of his career. To me, that's the best he ever played. But every time it looks bad, every time it looks like it's a drop-off, every time it doesn't seem to match that, My inclination is to not believe what my eyes are seeing. And then when the things that are happening confirm my preconceived notion, my inclination is probably, not even probably, clearly to overreact 
And so literally, it's the first quarter, and the Jets have gone three and out, and Zach Wilson just took a bad sack, and they're running, which happens to every quarterback and every team and every game every year. And I'm yelling, that's it, get him out. I want him out. Trade for Cousins now. That's true. It's fair. It's a good observation by Cam. How do we explain it? What do we do about it? We, we explain it by, um, by human nature. Uh, human nature is a powerful thing. I, I lived this in 2020 with my quarterback, Carson Wentz. And, and you'll vouch for me on this because Carson Wentz became, became kind of a, a, a superstar. He was considered a superstar in, in, the, in the world of NFL quarterbacks in large part because of one season that he had, 2017, and then sort of a, a, a media maelstrom around positivity uh, around Carson Wentz. At least that was my observation. Carson Wentz, I thought, was being inflated primarily among members of the national media. And so in 2020, when Carson Wentz was failing, when the Eagles were failing, what did we do? Well, what did we do en masse? We decided to say, all of a sudden, the Eagles' offensive line looks a lot weaker than it used to. Why aren't the F- Eagles' receivers getting open? Because any evidence to the contrary from our opinion has to be someone else's fault. Right. But it's not always someone else's fault. Sometimes you might yourself be wrong. So if you enter uh, every game, every drive, every month, whatever, if you enter everything with an open mind, being willing to be proven wrong, you're going to wind up becoming way smarter. And when you bet like I do, making way more money because you're not clinging to things that aren't true. So let me go all the way back to the beginning, Cam, and extrapolate it back to you. Because I have, there have been some who felt that I was, I have overreacted to Zach Wilson this season, and particularly <laughs> in the early part of the season when he looked really bad, the New England game, etc. Do you think I have overreacted? You can answer this honestly. I will not be offended or hurt if the answer is yes. Do you think I have overreacted to what I have seen in that case? No, because we have almost three years now of Zach Wilson data on this, but I do think to get a little bit meta, we kind of have to do this because we have, you know, in the national media, we have five days of shows where we have to fill content and everything. We have interesting discussions on stuff, but it's almost like every week we forget we're about to see another game. Like it's Zach Wilson plays and it's like, well, that's the last we've seen of Zach Wilson. The last thing we saw from him is what he is. We did the same thing with Justin Fields this year, rightfully so. We on this show pointed out Hembo had all these amazing numbers about how poor Justin Fields played this year. And we were like, well, that's it. Justin Fields is gone in Chicago. He threw eight touchdowns the last two games. It's like we almost forget we're about to see something else from them every single week and they can change our mind. Baba, what do you have? What do you think of this? I mean, I'm just wondering, is this is this only what we're doing now? I mean, I'm just thinking back, like, you know, when I was a kid, so like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, like when Phil Simms was on the Giants and he was having bad games, was were they talking about him up and down every week or do they have a different approach to things? Is this exclusively because of sports talk radio everywhere now, TV everywhere, Twitter? Is this because of social media right now? We just have to have a take on, every, you know, every game you have a different opinion or when people were having bad games back in the day, was the opinion of, you know, Phil Sims or even way back, Roger Staubach, did it change game to game? Or did they have a different approach, do you think, back in the day? And they were just like, all right, well, he had a bad game. That's fine. Or or did they absolutely just demolish? <laughs> imagine you know, these, imagine these people, that thought today. Because you know, I, I mean, again, the Dak example, early in the, the year, the Cowboys were literally the best team in the NFL. Now, fire everyone. Dak is terrible. Trade him. And that happened within the span of two weeks. And, you know, I'm just wondering what happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Is this exclusively because of social media and uh, radio and TV? Constantly? You're asking a good question. Here's, what I'm, here's how I'm going to begin to say it. I am probably right now 
considered to be the most, if you were to describe the mainstream sports media, would it or would it not be a picture of my face? (laughs) Right? Like, no one is more mainstream than I am. Are you aware that when I, Bubba, was part of a radio station that brought sports talk to Chicago for the first time. We, not me, because I was a, a, a very unimportant piece of that, but we were considered the rebels. It was stunning. I remember people in the market saying, you can't just let fans call up the station and say anything they want. So really, the place to place the blame on all of this, if you think that this is a bad thing, is with the changing um, con- ability to have conversation. So when I'm growing up, if you thought the quarterback stunk, that conversation took place between you and your family. Sitting there watching, my dad, he stinks, get him out, whatever. But that's it. No one could hear us. Hmm. Then uh, the, the, the places that this would make a big deal. So to your point about Phil Sims, who, yes, lots of people wanted to run out of town uh, before he got good. And, and I mean, it, you may not be old enough to remember Scott Bruner, but I certainly am. Phil Sims, at one point, they thought they were going to take his job away and all of that stuff. So and that would but that would be are debated by columnists. Mm-hmm. That would pretty much be it. Mike Lupico would write a column in The New York uh, in those days. I think the Daily News, whatever paper he was at, and there'd be like one other column and that'd be it. And then on Sunday, everyone would get a chance to boo, and that would be it. But there was no other discourse beyond bar stools and, and uh, you know, wherever else. There were no chat rooms. The chat room was an actual room where you'd go and chat with people, which might have been in a bar, and it might have been in a, on the subway, or wherever else it is that you found people. This is an excellent point. Sports talk really was the first step in, in the first iteration of this. All of a sudden, fans had a voice. We're throwing up the phone, open the phones. Here's my phone number. Call in. Tell me what you think. Boom, boom, boom. Fans are talking. Let me tell you, because I was there. The teams responded. I'll tell you a story. And he'll, he is smiling if he's listening to me right now. But Mike North was the guy that I worked with in Chicago. And Mike North was very critical of Andre Dawson of the Cubs. And Andre, I don't, I don't remember what he said. But this is the early 90s. Andre Dawson was on the Cubs, and Mike North had said something. And I get to the ballpark. I'm just a kid reporter. I'm, this was 92. I'm 24 years old. And I walk in to do my job that day. I'm covering the Cubs game with my little tape recorder. And the Cubs PR guy, Chuck Wasserstrom, comes over to me and says, uh, Greeny, I, I wasn't even Greeny then. He's like, Mike, um, so... We're going to sort of keep you away from Andre. We were explaining to him that you're not the Mike that he's mad at, um, but, but you know, whatever. But, you know, he, we've explained to him that you're not that person and we're not going to blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait a minute. And- have you ever seen Andre Dawson? You ever been in, have you ever been next to Andre? Andre Dawson is a big, intimidating-looking dude. Let me tell you. And I was like, wait, Andre Dawson is mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's how it was. So they would react that strongly in those days. Then, boom, there was something called blogs. Then blogs came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, all you needed was a keyboard, and your opinion could be everywhere. The Internet has changed everything in the world. And then all of a sudden, blogs displaced radio shows as places where you could talk all the way up to the point we've seen it now and then social media to finish the story takes it from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye to where now... I, who am a talk show host, who will sit there if I want to and open up the phones and let you talk, are considered the mainstream media. I'm freaking Grantland Rice. 
I'm uh, help me with other names. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm Shirley Povich. I'm Ira Burkow. I'm Shirley Povich. I'm Mike Lupica. I'm, I'm like all these. I'm what the columnists once were. I'm the mainstream media. I'll never think of myself that way, but I'm fully aware that's how everyone else thinks of me. Such is life. So, Bubba, to your point, yes, these feelings have always existed, but there wasn't any outlet for them to be shared. So the only time that people would get together in any sort of mass and, be, and, and, and talk about, if you will, so the sport was in the stadium. Like for three hours on Sunday at Shea or at Soldier Field or at this one or Lambo, wherever you are, everyone could speak in unison, but then we would all go our separate ways and we'd see each other the following Sunday. So yes, I think that that has contributed greatly to the way, to the direction that discourse has gone. When you listen to yourself, if, if it's even possible for you, when you're listening to yourself talk now about you know, some topic versus 30 years ago about a similar topic, do you feel like you have been influenced by this culture that you have at least in part created? Or do you find yourself to be generally the same person, offering the same opinions and same No one of- is the same person. I mean, you can't be the same person now that you were then. Like the one thing that you learn as time goes on is that time goes on. No one is the same as they were that long ago. Like th- the time that I'm talking about, uh, 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 you know, uh, Bubba, how old are you? 39. Okay. So the time that I'm talking about, he wasn't even born yet. You weren't born yet. I'm not sure Cam's parents were born yet. <laughs> so the point is, how could I be the same as I was then? Why would I be the same? You're going to ask yourself that question 25 years from now. Someone's going to, little Michelle or, or the alleged other one is going to say to you, Dad, are you the same as you were 25 years ago? And you're going to get the same smile on your face that I have now. Because the answer is obviously not. But if you're young, you don't, I'm not blaming you for not understanding that. Right. But the world keeps on changing. It keeps on turning. And as a final thought, if you don't change with it, it leaves you behind. So all the old farts who are my age and sit there and complain about how much better things used to be, the one who's not getting it is you. Because it's not stopping and waiting for you. No one's going to say, oh, actually, you know what? He's right. Let's go back to that again. That's just not what's going to happen here. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes uh, bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We have a lot to do on last night's football game. Hembo's got a bunch of predictions and projections. And we have a trivia question. Actually, let's get that in today. Here we go, Hembo Trivia. Let's do it. Yes, the LCSs are upon us. The Final Fours, if you will. Got me thinking. Which NFL franchise has played in the most conference championship games since the merger? Which franchise has played in the most conference championship games since the conferences merged in 1970? So NFL teams that have played in the most conference championship games. The answer next ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. All right, don't make any bets this weekend until you hear what we have coming up for you here in just a couple of minutes. Joe Fortenball will join us, our gambling expert extraordinaire, and now, of course, also the co-host of Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. But first, Hembo with the trivia. It's an interesting question. Since the 1970 merger, which NFL franchise has played in the most conference championship games? So, I'll go first, guys. I'm trying to gauge the level of sneakiness that I should assign to Hembo. Because New England seems so obvious. They obviously made nine Super Bowls with Tom Brady. They also made the AFC Championship game at least two other times with him that I can think of. They also made at least two other Super Bowls. So that's at least two more appearances in the AFC Championship game because they got there under Bledsoe and they got there under um, with, with Tony Eason when they lost to the Bears. And there may have been another one or two in there that I'm not thinking of. So the overwhelmingly likely answer, I think, has got to be New England. The only thing holding me back, Bubba, from saying that is the segment is called Sneaky Hembo. (laughs) I'm I'm right there with you. Not obvious, Hembo. Mm. So, but here's what I think. I wonder if he's playing the old, well, I know that you know that I know that you know game. It could be. And he's going to think I'm going to talk myself out of New England because it seems too obvious so I'm going to bet that that's what's going on, and I'm going to lock in the Patriots. Bubba, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm debating that. Um, I'm thinking uh, the next thing I'm thinking possibly Steelers, but I'm I would just I'm I'm sticking with the Patriots too. That's one. That's two New England. I gotta go. go I gotta go New England. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. Okay, I, I will say this: that would shock me. The Steelers made it so many times in the 70s, and it would really surprise me if it is San Francisco. I may live to regret having said that out loud. To me, if it's not New England, I definitely would think it's Pittsburgh. So the correct answer is? San Francisco. Oh, oh my that. God. That's the correct answer. Come on! boy! freaking out go. of here. What, get, how many times? San Francisco has played in the conference championship game 18 times. Yes. Pittsburgh 16 times, New England 15 times. God! Boom! 
that really uh, go over the scores there, <laughs> what uh, Cam. The... Come on! Uh, I am na- I am now two ahead. I am six and nine. You and Bubba are four and eleven. Mark Cuban so and Dominique are zero and one. That really surprised me. Hold on a second. So so Montana and and Walsh and them start getting there. The, the, I think the catch has got to be their first trip to the NFC Championship. It is. Game. It was an eighty-one. They were, but they were terrible through the whole seventies. But then they were great through the eighties. They made it a couple times in the nineties. In the last fifteen years, they've made it like six or seven times. Jeez, I mean, obviously that's right. I'm not questioning Hembo's numbers. I don't think he's a meathead or anything. <laughs> so I don't know. They lost in the conference championship game in seventy and seventy-one as well. San they Francisco did? did. They did in nineteen seventy. Uh, San Francisco lost to Dallas in the in the conference championship game, and then the very and then the very next year it was it was Dallas again. It was Dallas again? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I stand corrected. Good pull, Cam. We learn things here on this program. All right. Delightful. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio Live from the Seaport District to Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. Let's bring in another man who is like flying his on, on cloud nine. These Philly fans are going nuts here between Hembo and Cam and our buddy Joe Fortenbaugh who joins us here on ESPN Radio. Welcome back, Joe Fortenbaugh. Sanctity of the clubhouse, gentlemen. It's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's a shame it broke away from the Braves after such a tremendous regular season, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. They'll have another great regular season next year, but on to Arizona, fellas. How's everyone doing today? Mm. <laughs> feeling good. We are feeling good. Hembo is waving the towel. Now, before we get to yeah. some of the wagers this week, which obviously is your area of expertise, let's go very quickly back to the first conversation we had today, which is with the five best teams in baseball over the course of their regular season this year going a combined 1-13 and 13 in the postseason, it has led some to wonder aloud whether or not the system should be adjusted based upon what now might feel like a disadvantage that these top teams have. Hembo has come out strongly against that. I accuse him of doing so largely because the Phillies have been a beneficiary of it. I'd like to turn to a, a person <laughs> whose, whose judgment I trust more and whose character I trust more in Joe Fortenball. What do you think? So what do we want? What do we want ultimately as our product in baseball? If we want to reward the regular season success, let's do what the English Premier League does. Let's abandon the playoffs altogether. Let's play out a one long season and let's declare a champion. The problem with that, especially here in America, is that we live for the playoffs. We love the playoffs. Football, hockey, basketball, baseball, you name it, we want the playoffs. We're expanding the playoffs in college football because we want more playoff action. That's how we do it here. So there's the regular season component, and then there's the postseason component. And we want these stories. The Philadelphia story, as a Phillies fan, I'm trying not to be biased, but people around the country get a kick out of what's happening at Citizens Bank Park. It's a storyline. Baseball, as you guys know, you're doing radio just like I am. How often does it creep into the national narrative when we're dealing with football season? The Phillies are getting in there. We're not talking about the Diamondbacks. We're not talking as much about the Rangers. We're talking about the Phillies because of the story coming out of Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, and that's a playoff story. So if you want to reward teams like Atlanta, let's do what the English Premier League is doing. If not, let's stick with a playoff system that works really well here in America. Hembo, I'll give you the final word. Joe's 100% right. I gave you the data. 120 years. 
the better team in baseball, the team with the better record, only wins 54% of the time in the postseason. And that has applied no matter how many teams or how few teams are in the postseason. All right, we'll leave it at that. You mentioned the college football. We've got some tomorrow. Tennessee, Texas A&M, presented by Dr. Pepper. Three Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations and the ESPN app. All right, Joe, let's put you to work here. Uh, You are first and foremost, at least to me, our gambling insider extraordinaire. Let's go through some of the games. I see they've given me a few that you particularly like this week. Ravens, Colts, how do you see it in London? Shocking to me that this game is as tight as it is from a point spread perspective. It was down three and a half uh, at one point with Baltimore as the favorite. I I, I don't buy it with Tennessee. I I like Vrabel as a head coach. I think he's very, very good. I just don't think they're a very good team. What's their ceiling on offense? They're averaging 17 points per game. Big bounce back spot for the Ravens here. They gave that game away to Pittsburgh. I think you get a focused week of work. You got a defense that's top three in scoring, top three in opponent yards per play. They lost a game that they gave away to Indianapolis early in the year. They bounced back with a 25-point win the following week. I like the Ravens to cover in London over Tennessee. Yeah, I, I, I me too. I, the, the, there are some games that I just don't get. I don't know if, if the Colts... How do we factor in the Gardner Minshew of it all? Because, excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong game here. That's why. Because it says it wrong on my screen. It's not Ravens-Colts. It's Ravens-Titans. And that's why I said it wrong the first time. And I'll say it again. I, I live to pass the buck and I'll do it again. Mm, yeah, uh, I'm with you there. That's on Bubba, Greeny. That's not you. A hundred percent. Let's go to the next one. Uh, big bounce back week last week for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They were spectacular. Chase with the 15 catches. Burrow looked healthy for the first time this year. Seattle coming in that's a very good team too to me this is a fascinating game how do you see it if you can get Seattle plus three I'm playing Seattle plus three and I also think there's an opportunity with the over on 45 total points we're seeing the market move to two and a half Cincinnati minus two and a half that is very significant we've talked about this before the most important number in football betting is three when it comes to the point spread why because more games end on a differential of three than any other differential 24 21 27 24 31 28 you see where I'm going with this that's an important number so when you see a move on two or off of three you got to pay attention and that move off of three to two and a half that's not public money that's professional money coming in on Seattle to grab the field goal they've got two weeks to get ready for this game they have an offense that ranks sixth in the league in scoring they've gone on the road this season and beaten a very good Detroit team in overtime they're cooking right now I think Cincinnati's a little overvalued based on last week's win they had a good win but it was Arizona and Arizona's starting to fall apart after that feisty start I would take Seattle if you can get it plus three okay Uh, by the way I just gotta jump in real quick because you guys are quick to throw me under the bus but I just like to uh go to my text I got from Joe I have notes on all especially B-A-L-I-N-D so Mm. sorry Joe what a meathead sorry (laughs) first off you don't fact check Bubba I I mean I I guess I gotta I I, I guess I'll start checking every text I get from you if that's what you want me to do I I trusted you sorry my mistake my so mistake for trusting Joe. This is how guests are treated on this program? My that, mistake. Am I to believe that this is how you treat <laughs> guests I, on this I program? trusted Joe. Sorry, my mistake. I think that's right. No, look, I, I, I agree with Joe. I blame Bubba. Only because, <laughs> <laughs> as a general rule, I just like to blame Bubba. All right, uh, I got a couple more games here. Uh, Raiders-Patriots. This could be the worst game ever. Uh, yeah. The Patriots have not scored a touchdown in 34 drives. But they've allowed three. The the most incredible stat I can ever remember is that in their last two games, when New England's offense has been on the field, they have scored zero touchdowns and allowed three. (laughs) They've been outscored 21-3 to in the last two weeks when their offense was on the field. 
This feels like a watershed moment as they go to Vegas against their former offensive coordinator and their former quarterback. How do we see it? Hold your nose. I like New England. If you can get the three. Again, we're talking about a key number and the market starting to move to two and a half. And I can assure you it's not the betting public that's taking the Patriots here. It's the professionals. Remember something with the Raiders. Nice win last week, but it is a short week coming off the Monday night game. More importantly, what's the ceiling for the offense? If you're laying three with the Raiders, you're going to need them to score some points. They haven't scored more than 18 points in a game all season. So if you have a low ceiling for that offensive output and you need to cover three, you better be damn sure your defense isn't giving up any points. Now, enter the New England offense, which isn't doing a whole lot, but I do think this is a buy-low moment on New England. Go back last week when the look-ahead lines came out here in Vegas. Every Wednesday, you can get a look-ahead line for the games that'll take place 10 days down the road. So, for example, this past Wednesday, we got lines for Week 7. These can be very valuable to look at because they go off the board on Sunday when the games start, and then when everything's done and the new point spreads come up, you compare the numbers. Sometimes you get some overreactions to certain situations. Sometimes an injury occurs in those Sunday games, and you can compare the line move and see what the player's worth. This game was pick em, and then we saw New England fall on its face, and then they came back out plus three. I think that is an overreaction. It is an overadjustment. Patriots plus three here. All right. I don't know what to make of this, but I've agreed with all three picks so far. And let me save the best. That's terrifying because is it you that's agreeing or are you going against you to agree with me? No, the the me with me is actually agreeing, which is terrible because usually even more than you fade the public, you should be fading me. But let me give you one more. Jets, Eagles, I believe we're a seven-point underdog at home this week, which to me doesn't sound like enough, but... Um, what, what do you t- talk to me here, Joe? How do you see this game? Interesting one. Eagles open minus six and a half. It gets bet up to seven. So this is another key number. Just like we talked about with three, seven's very key. 35, 28, 28, 21. This is important. So to see it move up to seven, that's significant. That again was professional money as well earlier in the week, knocking it up to a touchdown. Here's what's fascinating about Philadelphia. Five games this season. In four games that they've played, the point spread has moved against them. It moved against them in week one against New England. They won and covered the spread. It moved against them in the Buccaneer game. They won and covered the spread. It moved against them in the Ram game. They won and covered the spread. And it moved against them in the Viking game. They won and they pushed on the spread. The one time the spread moved with them, and meaning the money was coming in on them and it moved up, was the Washington game, which is the only game where they didn't cover the spread. Here we are against the Jets where the number's moving with them. It's a small sample. We're only talking about five games of this happening, but I find that fascinating that the Eagles are covering when the market's against them and they're not when the market is with them. So right now I see it against the Jets. Those out there listening who like the six-point teasers, I think Philly's a great leg for that. You can pair them up with the... um, with the Miami Dolphins, if you want. You can also do it with the Rams. I would lean to Philadelphia here, but on the road, the Jet defense has played better at home. It's mostly a stay away from me, Greeny. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then let me do one more thing here. Again, we've got Joe Fortenbaugh with us, and he follows us coast-to-coast on ESPN Radio with our buddy Carlin, 12-3 to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. There was a discrepancy that took place at the beginning of this season, and we got to get to the bottom of it, because yeah. anytime Hembo is called out, I'm here for it. Let the record show, Joe, as we enter into this conversation. I'm 100% on your side. So <laughs> there was some question about the phrasing. So Hembo does, set this up for me, Hembo. You do a trivia question for them every day. Yes, once a week on their once show a week. called the Hembo Hammer. And week one, everything went sideways. And here was Joe's response when it went sideways. What a meathead. He called Hembo a meathead, which I think is, I mean, it's a term I haven't heard since All in the Family. But I, as a general <laughs> rule, I like it. 
So what, what was it again? There was a discrepancy in the way you phrased a question? That's right. It was the, 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 the discrepancy was, was it an active streak or was it just a streak? And their radio producer cut out the active part of the question, laying uh, uh, both of those guys out to dry. And somehow I got called a meathead out of all of this when my reputation is beyond reproach, when the veracity of my question <laughs> has never been questioned, Joe. So I know that you did apologize during the segment, but you've not been on the show since then. So I would merely like one now if one is called for in your opinion. Now, can I, can I interact? interject or interact, whichever way that works. Don't apologize to him. You have no reason to apologize whatsoever. It was less your fault than it was his fault. If you phrase the question in such a way that the producers could somewhat easily make it vague and ambiguous for the two hosts of the show, then I blame you. It's certainly not Fortinbaugh's fault. Fortinbaugh <laughs> hears a question, phrased the way, however it is phrased, answers it, and then blamed the obvious culprit. The, sem- the, the segment is called Hembo's Hammer. Mm-hmm. He's going to hammer or hembo in the event that the question <laughs> is unfairly phrased. So, frankly, I think if we're, if we're handing out the blame, their producers are number one, you, hembo, are number two, and the least person who should receive blame here is Fortinbo. No, no, no. This is, this is not true. Like, being critical of my trivia would be like telling Van Gogh he should paint differently, okay? There are some oh, things. Okay. There are some things for which you can't, so there are some places where you can't go. This is the one place with me that you just cannot go. I'm going to step in here because, mm. Greeny, this, we're only talking about week one. Hembo actually came back a week later and asked an even more ambiguous question that led to a problem, so much so that he actually followed up with our producers to say, hey, I realize I didn't phrase it properly. It's supposed to just be in, what was it? It was non-quarterbacks. But then in the second time you asked the question, you didn't say that. Now, to Hembo's credit, the last two weeks, it's been very clean. He sharpened up his game. The Hembo <laughs> hammer has been very clean the last two weeks, but we did have a lot of issues the first three weeks. Very ambiguous work. Well, I think I might say, and I believe him, uh, that Bubba will back me up, your trivia question on Get Up today sucked. Oh, one of my favorites ever. <laughs> Horrible. That no. question sucked. Foreign Joe, soil. Joe, in case you didn't see this, who is the all t- who's the NFL's all-time leading passer? On foreign soil. And before you answer it, <laughs> let me tell you the obvious so answer, dumb. which is, who the hell cares? <laughs> like, the, the, the point of a trivia question is that once one knows the answer, they're like, oh, that's an interesting thing to know. No one woke up this morning going, who, I wonder who the NFL's all-time leading passer is on foreign soil. <laughs> What's the answer? Is it like Blake Bortles? No, he's one yard shy of Tom Brady. That was Aren't the you hook. glad you know that? That was the hook. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> it's I hey, I don't even think I need to do Carlin versus Joe today. I've got everything I need for the for the weekend. I think that's a hundred percent right. All right. Uh, well done again. They will follow us here. What a meathead. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin versus Joe right after we wrap up Coast to Coast on ESPN Radio. Thank you. We'll see you next week, my man. Love you, Phil. Love you, fellas. Go Phils. I can't believe I couldn't stick the landing. I'm out of here. No, that's well done. All right, coming up next, we're gonna have to do a negotiation of stakes. And by that, I'm not talking about the food. Plus, who you got after this on ESPN Radio. I am sneaky bleeping Hembo. (laughs) Google me. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Greeny, happy birthday, Paul Simon. His 82nd birthday today, the greatest of the great. Be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation. Presented by Dr. Pepper, it's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. We'll do who you got, as we always do on Fridays in a minute. But first, so Hembo and I and Cam, if you want in on this, we can make a bet on this weekend's game. We got Jets Eagles this weekend, but we got to negotiate the stakes. I mean, I'm, I'm I was born on a day of the week, but not yesterday. There's no way in the world I'm just taking the Jets even up against the Eagles. So you got to we got to have some stakes. Yeah, seven points is a lot. So I have a few thoughts. Give me your thoughts. So one thought is uh, I would like for you to buy me like a cheesesteak or something like that for for lunch next week for a day. But okay. that didn't feel like quite enough for a game of this magnitude. And then I thought to myself, like, maybe, maybe we could do one of the you know, traditional, you know, we wear each other's jersey type thing, but that's kind of overdone. Honestly, the pair of jeans that you gave me yesterday is the nicest article of clothing that I now own. <laughs> and so if the Eagles beat the Jets, I would like free reign over your closet for one item of my choosing this time. Not your, you know, your hand-me-downs that you haven't worn since 2006, but... In this case, whatever I want, whatever I like, whatever I see, one article of clothing of my choice. Does that include shoes? One article of clothing of my choice. It, inclu- it is inclusive of anything that might be in your closet that you okay. can wear. Well, then the stakes would be if I win, I get your children. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's you want to talk about like the, the, I mean, we're talking about some significant stakes. I mean, you're coming after I mean, my Cam, loops. though, in, th- in that case, that's, I mean, at least that way they'll get to go to private school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like. Uh, He's I, also <laughs> acknowledging that there's two of them now. Right. We've come a long way. Like it, it, the possibility of paying tuition for two is, is also considerable. Listen, the only, and I say this with love and everything. The only thought in my mind at my age right now worse than having a one-year-old in the house is having two of them. <laughs> so you can't even believe that someone else is dealing Under with Under no that. circumstances. Let's, we should reverse the stakes. If you win, I should have to take your kids from you. <laughs> and if I win, I have to take some article of clothing from you. But there's no way in which I will become Steve, uh, Stevie's uh, legal guardian. Though, right? uh, listen, crazier things have happened, none that immediately jump to mind. All right, let's finish it with this. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Who you got? This is Bubba's turn now. He uh, will take over and ask me a series of questions that begin with the pigskin pick'em. I think I did well last week, right? 
Yeah, who you got brought to you by Granger. Last week was your best week. You went 2-1. and one. You're still in last place at 5-10, and 10, but it was your best week, so you're creeping up. Hopefully you have another good week. Carlin versus Joe, they're 12-3. and three. They jumped to first place, so we got we got room for improvement. We got three games today. Vikings at Bears is the first game. Minnesota, minus 2.5. Who you got? I like the Bears. I think the Vikings are falling apart. The loss of Justin Jefferson is crushing. I don't even know what other adjective to use to describe it. He's overwhelmingly the best player on that team. The Bears are a team on the come. They had a week and a half to get ready for this. They, the quarterback has looked a lot better. The Vikings defense is somewhat suspect. I like the Bears, and candidly, I like the Bears and the money line. Give me Chicago plus the two and a half. That's the, any, any thought on this? Just want to add one thing. I'm playing the over for Jordan Addison, uh, Jordan Addison, the new number one receiver for the Vikings at 51 and a half uh, receiving yards. Play the over in that game without Justin Jefferson. He's going to breeze past that number. All right. I will buy that, but I'll also take Chicago plus the two and a half. Uh, don't forget, too, the Bears have uh, Albrus uh, coaching them. So oh, that's right. That's, <laughs> that should be good. It's the coach, Albrus. Albrus. Uh, all right, next one, Seahawks at Bengals. Cincinnati minus two and a half. Who you got here? I Listen, I was listening when Joe Fortenbaugh was on my own show about half an hour ago. I liked his rationale. I like Seattle in this game. I think we are overreacting to how good Cincinnati looked last week, and I think we are underreacting to how good Seattle is generally. Is there a huge public lean there on this? There is not. There is not. Don't play that here. Give me Seattle. That's another money line game. I think they win. I'll take Seattle plus the two and a half. One more. All right. Lions at Bucks. Detroit minus three and a half. Who you got? Three and a half. That's all. Why, why does that smell so bad? You're saying it's a smelly line because it should be more. And 80% of the public's on Detroit. Okay, I like it. We're going the other way because it is contrary to absolutely everything that I think. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. I'm taking the points with the Bucks. Give me Tampa. So those are the three picks this week for the Pigskin Pick'em. Hashtag KOD. The Kiss of Death. All right, we finish it up with some fun. All right, who you got brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. And 80 years ago last week in Manhattan, Chevy Chase was born. He's a comedian, actor, writer, was on SNL, had some great movies. Who you got as your favorite Chevy Chase movie? Oh, that's a great one. Chevy Chase made a lot of great movies. It's a tough. Uh, it's a it's tough. tough. One so I mean, I I've always liked Vacation. I enjoy that movie a lot. When that's on, I still find it funny. I mean, there's really no wrong answer. I mean, I love the movie Fletch. Yeah, that's probably mine. I'm going Fletch. I love the movie Foul Play that he made with Goldie Hawn. But if I have to pick one, even though it's sort of an ensemble movie, I'm going to go Caddyshack. <laughs> Caddyshack is absolutely <laughs> one of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah. And he's magnificent. I feel like people remember Bill Murray, Ted Knight, and Rodney Dangerfield better than they remember Chevy Chase in that movie. But he's very funny in that movie. I will go Caddyshack. Yeah, you can't go wrong. I'm going Fletch, but Caddyshack is unbelievable. 67 years ago last week in the Bronx, Don Larson tossed a perfect game. Game five of the 56 World Series, Yankees two, Dodgers nothing. What's the one big-time historical sports moment you'd love to have been in attendance for? Who you got? Would that be yours? I I don't know what could be more exciting than a perfect game in the World Series. I mean, literally every pitch determines whether it stays intact. So, believe it or not, I was actually just aggregating this list for a future book of ours, and Don Larson's uh, perfect game is number two on my list. I would have wanted to be at the Miracle on Ice. 
If I go to, p- to pick one thing, given all the significance of the event and everything surrounding The it, Russia game or the gold medal game? See, people forget that those are not the same game. The Russia game. We beat Russia on a Friday in Lake Placid and then had to beat Finland on Sunday to win the gold. Mm-hmm. We could have still wound up not winning... The gold medal could have wound up, I think, with the bronze if we had. I don't remember how that worked anymore. But we we did not. We would not. So you're saying the Friday night game? Yeah, the game against. I mean, that to me would be. I get it. Yeah, it's a very good choice. That'd be number one. It's it's very personal for me, but I mean, Super Bowl three. Yeah. You know, with the Jets and the guarantee and all of that stuff. So I would go Super Bowl three. But I think if, if you were just picking it more, for lack of a better word, more subjectively than objectively, I think I would take Don Larson's perfect game. Bubba, go. All right. As we've been talking about all morning, 82 years ago today, Paul Simon, born in Newark, New Jersey, grew up in Queens, met Art Garfunkel, made some music. Who you got as your favorite Paul Simon album and song? My favorite album is Graceland. Um, my, it's impossible to pick a favorite song. You almost have to go through the different eras. Like the Simon, of the Simon and Garfunkel era, I love the song America. Love, 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 love. And there are a million great ones. And you can't go wrong with The Boxer. And you can't go wrong with Sounds of Silence. And you can't go wrong with Mrs. Robinson. And you can't go wrong with The Only Living Boy in New York. And there's a million other ones. But uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. But, but I will go, in that era, I will go America. And then in the next era, which was sort of the... Bef- the pre-Graceland era, um, like the Rhyme and Simon stuff, I love a, a million of those songs, but I-, I think I would go with Still Crazy after all these years because I-, I cite it all the time. I love that song. And then Graceland is, I mean, every al- every song on that album is so brilliant and beautiful. Um, but if I had to pick one, I'd say Boy in the Bubble. All right, one more quick. Tomorrow is National Dessert Day. Who you got as your favorite dessert? All right, around the crew, hashtag... Crew, uh, Cam, favorite dessert? Apple pie. Hot apple pie? Cold? You like it warmed up? Not I want so- some crisp on it, and I want it warm. Warm? You want a little vanilla ice cream? Sure thing. That was an apple pie. It was just a very generic. Favorite dessert? Uh, sugary tomato. God. Shut up. Get them off the set. What does that even mean? Tomato with sugar on it. That's not a dessert. It is, too. Sounds like a... Like a porn star. <laughs> sugary tomato. Sugary tomato. I'm, I'm nonplussed. I don't even think we can go on. Tomatoes that's, a that's fruit. bad. I'm not even sure you should be allowed back. Technically a fruit. I'm going right. cheesecake. <laughs> See you Monday. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.